Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your host, Jim and Chuck. And Chuck, this is uh, the State of Star Wars episode. Uh, I know you're pumped. Yeah, I'm excited. I knew it. I knew you would be. Uh, we were going to do this like we talked about last week, Star Wars Day, May the 4th, Revenge of the 5th. We know that that happened. But we want to talk Bad Batch because we're going to talk a little bit about the Bad Batch first episode too. But before we get into that, we were blessed again by the movie gods with a trailer before we record it. Yeah. It's always great when this happens. And ironically, I just need to title the tracks The State of Something because we got the Shang-Chi trailer during the State of Comics. Mm-hmm. And this is the state of Star Wars, so you know next week it's going to be the state of the pr- fresh Prince of Bel Air. I don't know. We'll see what we get. But we got um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage trailer. Sony decided, nah, random Monday in May seems about right to to drop this Tom Hardy Woody Harrelson movie. I have feelings about this trailer, and I'm curious to see where I'm curious to see where you're at because we both enjoyed this movie. We both the first one at least. We both liked Venom. We had our gripes. It was by far not the best superhero movie out there. Not the worst either. Uh, that still is kind of held for like Suicide Squad. But what did you think about this trailer? Because we got a a lot of Eddie Venom in this. I love the parts with Woody Harrelson. Yes. I think he is the best choice out there for... Uh, Cletus Cassidy. Um, we did get to see Carnage at the very, very end of the trailer. I thought that was cool. Okay, what did you think about that? I didn't hate it. I wish we saw a little more than just like all the... Tendrils? Yeah, sticking out and flying. Like I wanted to see just him. Yeah, um, it was it was a very weird scene. Like we seen him twice, right? There's that one where he's kind of like crashing through and it could be Venom, it could be Carnage, and I think that might be my biggest gripe about this movie, this trailer. And listen, this is a trailer. I'm not going into the whole movie thinking that this is going to be an issue, but from this trailer, this two shots that we got of Carnage, I hope he gets lighter in color. Yeah, he he was a little dark. He looked um, like a Cheeto with tendrils. Like, just color-wise, as far as, like, body makeup and, like, tone. Like, he looked just like an orange version of Riot. Yeah. And that's what I'm worried that we're going to we're going to get moving forward. But go back to the trailer. I'm sorry. The Eddie Venom stuff? I didn't like it. I... Same. It was a little... Buddy cop. Yeah. It was a little too co- comedical or comical. There you go. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, all right. So I saw it twice because I was like, all right, let me watch it. And then I watched it again when I got home from work. So I watched it at work or on my lunch break and the, to see if like my feelings changed about it. And it didn't. Like when he's in the kitchen and the weird arm sticking. When he's singing, making, making the breakfast, yeah. right? And I was just like, hmm. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's buddy cop. Like that's the, the best thing I could make out of this the the singing the the posters on the wall where there's like weird rules like we don't eat humans and you know even the voice it's like tom hardy's just being extra to be extra yeah and the problem with this is this is andy circus's uh big directorial debut he did that jungle book movie i don't think a lot of people watched but he's doing this and i feel like the studio came in and said oh no we're moving away from Lethal Protector, and we're going 
best friends. We're going, you know, Dukes of Hazard. That's friggin' chips. It's uh, like that's what we're going. Rush hour. Yeah, rush hour, dumb and dumber. Like that's what we're going with. Uh, I coming out of this trailer, I wasn't optimistic about the movie. And granted, it's a, a minute and forty five seconds, whatever. But the first movie when the trailer broke, you and I broke it down here in the trailer park. And we were like, this looks great. Tom Hardy looks amazing. Venom even looks cool. Um, there, there's no white spider on there, but it is what it is. This one, I'm like, ugh, just give me more carnage than the next trailer. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Did you get the vibes that this isn't set in any current universe that we're getting? Well, there was that hidden, uh, the cop reading the newspaper said Avengers on it. Yeah, but it also was like the Daily Bugle from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah. Which is so weird. So it's just like, I don't know. Maybe this is a big play after, you know, uh, No Way Home comes out. Then we're good to go. Everything's like, they're all, well, this is before No Way Home. So honestly, Chuck, I have no idea what's going on with this movie. But I'm still going to see it. Yeah, and the other big part is uh, Shriek is going to be in it. So, yeah. Shriek is cool. I like Shriek. I kind of wish they would have put Scream in it, though. Scream's getting so much love in the comics, um, in this absolute carnage storyline, or extreme carnage storyline that's coming out. Scream's getting her one shot. She got it in uh, King and Black. I, was, I love Scream, but I'll settle with Shriek. As long as we're getting more symbiotes, mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, well, let, let me ask you this question before we move into the newsroom. Would you rather this movie be an HBO Max kind of movie, like Sony has a deal with a streaming service, or is this a movie that, like, regardless, September, maybe the climate's right, you get out in the theaters and you see this? I mean, I definitely want to see it. I don't hate any of the HBO Max stuff, so, like, I'd rather see stuff at home now. Like, before, I was a huge theater guy, like, let's go theater, let's go. Like, we went to the movies all the time as a family. And am I going to go again? Of course. Of course I'm going to go again. But I like sitting home. So, so you want you would rather this one be a home movie? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that same. After seeing this trailer, I'd rather this be a straight to Netflix, straight to Hulu, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, whatever. Uh, I'd like to see that rather yeah. than this movie. But that's listen. That's based off of one trailer. I don't want to be too harsh, but it wasn't for me first reaction. Sometimes it takes a second trailer, but usually it doesn't. So this one. Um, I'm still going to see it because, you know, it's for the brand, but I'm not confident in it. All right, let's go to the newsroom. Speaking of something that we're going to see and we're probably going to talk about nauseam, and we don't really need to talk about it after this, uh, Loki, the series, is now moving up to June yeah. 9th. Uh, the big thing here is that it's coming out on Wednesdays and not Fridays, which is cool. Uh, so that makes uh, the Loki Lounge recording schedule uh, maybe easier than previous shows. But I'm pretty excited for Loki. It's the next thing on the the docket, it's about a month away, less than a month away as we record this. So so we'll see. We'll, we'll t- touch base in a month with yeah. our first reaction to this. Here's the news we've been waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> There's a He-Man movie being made, and we've been talking about it. And I feel like we've been making our own He-Man movie since the birth of this podcast and the continuation with its brother, Galaxy Wars, when we did a live show and we casted He-Man characters. Noah Centineo, no longer He-Man. Yeah. Surprised? No, not at all. You know, he's a he's a major movie actor based on the commercials that I see him in. 
one, I don't think this is ever going to happen. Me either. Like, I remember when they first casted him, at the time, I was like, who? Oh, to all the boys I love. I've never seen it. From the Lana Condor Netflix joint. She's in that. And now he's Adam Smasher, and he looks enormous. So, like, you know, good for him. You know, he's getting a superhero moment in in a rock movie, which he knows, you know, people are going to go see. I'm not upset. I'm not thrilled about it. Like, it's just kind of like, okay, like, until we have confirmation of that the movie's being made, I don't think it's ever going to get made. Yeah, this is The Crow 2, or the yeah. remake of The Crow. This is the yeah. remake of The Crow. You know, 95 people were set out to play He-Man, Prince Adam, if you will, and I don't think this is an IP that is profitable at this moment for new moviegoers. For us, we're tuned in. We're ready. Yeah. We want this. We grew up on it. For the new generation, He-Man's an old toy. No no one's playing He-Man toys. They're trying to revitalize it with like WWE crossovers and Funko's doing a ton of stuff. But again, Funko's are pretty much collected by people my age and your age. So like that's all that's a whole another demographic that is the same demographic that we're talking about. So He-Man's not really popular right now so maybe after revelations come out and the kevin smith he-man or vice versa it'll be a little more popular yeah just you know if the the netflix stuff is good give it to kevin smith hell Uh, no 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 he's talked about some of his plans for marvel movies that he wanted and i am completely against some weird ideas that he has and then you know he would have like you know stink or being like he-man's side piece like it'd be weird uh but maybe somebody who is ready to build a franchise that is not set in the Smodverse. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like I like what he's doing with his animation Masters Universe, so let's start with that. Uh who would you want to replace Prince Adam and, you know, be so, replace young Noah Centineo? You know, this guy's not young, but he's uh I think he's got the look. And I really liked him in um, Titans when he played Hank Hill. Oh, I I, I like Alan Richardson. Man, every time I hear Hank Hill, I think of King of the Hill. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, he he would be a great Hank Hill, and you know, Hank, I'm a, sorry, Hank Hall, not Hank Hill. Yeah, you know, I was gonna let you get you go back to your notes, and you'd 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 find it. No, but it's, uh, it's Hank Kelly Hall. would look great as Peggy Hill. Yeah. <laughs> um. I like him. Yeah, he's got he's, the look. He he does. Didn't he just get casted in something? He's gonna be in. Um, they're going the route with Jack Reacher as they did That's in. Right. Uh, what is it? Um, in the Amazon. Yeah, with uh, Jack Ryan. Yeah, they Jack Ryan did well, and they were like, "Okay, let's do this and do the other Jack." Yeah. Well, I get. Listen, I, I get. It. Alan Richardson is a good actor. And let's see him. Let's see him do this. That's a great, great pick. Um, I also went somebody who's on a TV show uh, that's not Chris Hemsworth. You know, obviously he's the the go to choice. Yeah, he's playing Hulk Hogan. Who he's obviously Thor. He's played big characters with blonde hair before, so you know He Man would be the the next fit for him. I want Alexander Ludwig. Okay, heels. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a time for both those guys, right? So they can both try out for this role indirectly, not even knowing that they're being watched by Hollywood. He, Alexander Ludwig is obviously from Hunger Games and Vikings and has done very well for himself post-Hunger Games with Vikings. So he's got that for him, and then he goes over and he does heels where he's able to show a different side of him 
that he doesn't show in like Valhalla. And the same thing with our boy Alan. Alan's going over from Titans where he's a superhero and now he's going to Jack Reacher, almost said Ryan, where he's a spy, assassin, whatever, kind of operative. So there's, you know, there are different takes and different ranges that he can use. So I think both of them would be great. Either one of them would be fantastic. Alan Richen was already in an 80s cartoon franchise. He was uh, Raphael in the Ninja Turtle reboots. Yeah, I mean, he was great at voicing it. Yeah. So, so you know, if He-Man needs a, a big-body actor and, you know, maybe he has a Pauly Shore voice, Alan Richen can do the voice. <laughs> I don't know. But I like both of our choices. So let's yeah, yeah, so do I. Let's go to my picks of the week. Uh, how many do I have today? I have three. The first one is called Time Before Time, and it's written by Declan Shalvey and Rory McConville with art from Joe Palmer and Chris Hallerhan. Uh, the year is 2140, and to escape the world with no future, many turn to the Syndicate, a criminal organization who, for the right price, will smuggle you back in time to a better life. After working for the syndicate for years, Tatsu and Oscar decide to steal one of their boss's time machines, but soon find that the one thing you can't run from is your past. That sounds fun. I watched a pre. I looked at a preview of it. And it looks really good. It sounds like an NBC TV show on Peacock. Yeah, it it kind of sounds a little like um, uh, what was that? Uh, Bruce Willis and Looper. Yeah, kind of a little bit like that. Like. Crime bosses using time travel for weird how we both went to Looper. Yeah, super weird. Like I went there too, and I was gonna say it's it's very Looper meets Total Recall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I like both of those movies. I think Looper's kind of underrated. Not oh, a huge, definitely. I'm not a huge post Die Hard th- one Bruce Willis fan, <laughs> but yeah, I think him and uh, JGL did really well on that. So I think I'm gonna pick this one up. This is uh, obviously my pick of the week, but. I put it on there because I read the preview on previews, uh, Preview World. I was like, this looks really good. So I can't wait to watch it on Netflix. Next one is from Marvel, and it's called X Corp Number 1 by Tinny Howard with art from Alberto Falche. And Krakoa is for closers. The deals have been made. Mutant kind is safe on Krakoa. As the reign of X continues, what are the wants of the mutants who have all who have everything leading the charge is x corporation headed by cxos monet st croix and warren warrington a duo as cutthroat and ruthless in the boardroom as they are on the battlefield but x corp needs more than just its figureheads as monet sets out to staff their team with some of the brightest and most deviant minds in the mutants kind Warren finds himself in tense meetings with one of Krakow's first allies who wants to know the truth. On Angel Wings, will X-Corp crash or soar? So it's like a law conglomerate comic book about X-Men. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? It it sounds like a lot. You know what I mean? Doesn't like it, it just sounds very convoluted storyline. To be like, oh, here's an X-Men. The one thing I will say, and I do agree with you, is it does sound convoluted. But what I will say is I'm glad we're getting more X-Men Marvel comics. If we go back 10, 15 years ago, we weren't getting any. So it's a start. It's definitely a start. Uh, I will say, well, I will ask you, have you seen these posters and pictures and everything for the Hellfire Club Gala? 
yeah, I actually got a preview of the Hellfire stuff. Uh, I didn't Have go you... through it all, but okay. I, I, I got it and just kind of flipped through it. I didn't like. Study Have you it. seen some of these redesigns on these characters? Yeah. Colossus is making people feel sexual. Like it, I don't know what people like. People are like turned on to aluminum foil now. It's wild what they're doing with that. I don't know if I dig it. I think I do just because I like like alternate universes where everybody's like in high fashion. But I, I guess it's like a play on the Met Gala. I have no interest in the Hellfire Club. You know, gala. Yeah. I don't think I would go there. But I could imagine Disney Plus once we get an X-Men series that this would be a special every time the Met Gala comes up. <laughs> but, that you know, that's just me. Let's go to the other one. Um, this is going to bring back memories, Chuck. So if you're in a safe place, please stay there. Future State Gotham. Oh. <laughs> uh, the event that was DC Future State continues in its own ongoing title starring the Bat Family, beginning with an epic story, Hunt the Batman. Disaster strikes. That should be it. Future State, <laughs> Gotham. Disaster strikes. But anyway, disaster strikes Gotham City, and all evidence points to the next Batman, which, we, as we know, is Tim Fox. Red Hood must choose justice over his family and allies, where the corrupt magistrate enlists him to bring in the new Batman dead or alive. I will say the Red Hood stuff that we did read from Future State, where he, him and Ravenger were bounty hunters, was actually pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, where are we at? Featuring the entire new cast from the popular Future State Batman titles, this new series kicks off the next chapter in this forbidding world of tomorrow and does so in brilliant monochromatic storytelling. This black and white series will showcase the brutal world that around the corner, wait, the brutal world that's around the corner in Future State Gotham. I think that sounds really cool. They really, when they did the Batman stuff, they did it well. I know you weren't a fan of the, new, the next Batman. No. But when they did Dark Detective, like the art was cool. That was good, yeah. They really pumped the story in those. Everything that the Batman family, and obviously it says Bat family, so I think we're going to get Nightwing, Future State version. That that Nightwing was really good. The thing that gets me is it's black and white, and I hope with this Red Red Hood episode or issue, it's kind of like Black uh, Carnage, black, yeah. white, and red, where like wherever the hood is, you see the mm-hmm. red. I thought that would be fantastic, but... They're my picks of the week. You can get them or not, but I think just get them. And I think Steve Orlando has a book out this week, too, called uh, Project Patron Number 2. I'm not too positive, but definitely pick that up, too. Let's go into the state of Star Wars, Chuck. Yeah. Which is also, in the beginning of this part, is the state of spoilers. Because we're going to talk about the Bad Batch, the first Mm -hmm. episode. We may kind of veer into the second one because they both came out the same week. So we've got, what, um, 100 and... 20 minutes of Star Wars in the last week? Uh, 100 minutes? No, they yeah, about 100 minutes probably. Because yeah. one was 70, one was 30, so yeah, 100 minutes. So yeah. you're looking I'll tell you what, almost an hour and a half. That 70-minute one felt like two hours. <laughs> I felt like I was watching the Justice League. I was like, oh, this is a long episode. But I will say, again, spoiler alerts for those who have not watched... Star Wars, The Bad Batch, I loved it. Oh, yeah. I, I loved it. So let's just kind of jump into a brief little recap, then we'll do the full state of Star Wars. When you left the, the episode, I'm assuming you were watching it at home. Mm-hmm. When you turned it off, screen went to blank, uh, black, the Star Wars theme played. What was your initial reaction after that first episode? I thought it was great. 
Um, I really like that it was just a continuation from Clone Wars. And really what happened after Order 66. So I thought that was really cool. I let, let's start right there for a second. I'm sorry. I like that it picked up right there. Oh yeah, that was actually my favorite part. Like when they're on the island, they're talking to the Jedi and her Padawan, and then you know they're like, "All right, let's go fight these these oncoming clones or the, the troopers." And I'm like, "This is great already." Like the the action, the sequences were really good, and then as they turn away, the orders executed, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" I thought that was great storytelling, and then Crosshairs, man, being part of it. Well, and then the other big thing is the Padawan. You know who that was? Who was it? That's Caleb Dune. Yes, it was. And if you don't know who Caleb Dune is, he grows up to become Kanan Jarrus. He also becomes Kara Dune. <laughs> <laughs> like, at first, like, I heard it. I was like, one, I like Freddie Prince Jr. as Kanan. I thought he was amazing. Yeah. But they didn't really try to make his voice any younger. It just sounded like a 40-year-old man coming out of a 10-year-old body. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Star Wars. He could have already been 40. Yeah. Just, so, he's the oldest Padawan in the galaxy. So when I was like, that sounds like, and then they call him uh, Caleb Doom. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. Like, at first I was like, that sounds like Freddie Prince. And then they said his name. I was like, okay. So I thought that was really cool. Like, I hope we do kind of see him again. I feel like we are because, like, this whole series, at least the first two episodes, kind of center around Hunter's reluctancy to kill children. Yeah. Uh, which is huge knowing what Anakin does in the future. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? So we we know what is to come because we've— Not we've future. The clone. Anakin's already killed. Oh, yeah, the past. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've seen this. We see what happens. Mm-hmm. We know what's happening with Anakin. We know that these kids are getting killed, and Hunter, a clone, just a defect clone, is reluctant to kill this clone, where this chip kid, which is Canon, and his new ride-along buddy in Omega. Yeah. So, what was your favorite part of this episode? Mine, mine was what I told you about with the the order being executed. I thought that that was great storytelling in the first five minutes of a 70-minute show. The first five minutes were my favorite part. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, I had two favorite parts. That one, and of course, the turn of Crosshair. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a great twist. And I didn't, ha- I didn't and see ha- it coming. He becomes the first Death Trooper. Yeah. Who did you, Now, if there was one to turn, who did you think it would be? In I would have be- thought it was Echo. In the beginning of the episode or before Just in the general, episode like, started? If you were writing this and it was someone, like, you know, you kind of knew that one was going to turn. Who would you have thought? I don't know. I don't think Echo. Like, I mean, I guess. He's already it, broken. That's why I picked him. You know, he's got all those problems. Yeah. So, like, and he's obviously he's defragmented from, you know, what getting operated on during the, uh, during the Clone Wars when they kind of recalibrated everything when he was left on that base for so long. And then now he, you know, he doesn't, he, when the order was executed, it didn't bother him. It only bothered Crosshair. But that's honestly number one, great storytelling. But number two, the most deadly of the Bad Batch's crosshairs. Oh, one hundred percent. So lethal. And one, you know, you got to give credit to is uh, D. Bradley Baker, 
And yeah, I think he plays every single character in the show. He does. And I saw a video of him and he was talking about the different because he plays the, the troopers and every he, single one. And I think he plays like five other people in it. Yeah. So he was saying how like Hunter, like each. So Echo is a little bit. It still has that trooper voice, but just kind of little wavery. But then he was like, you know, Wrecker is like a child. And then, you know, um, but Crosshairs, he said, is more like a snake. Yeah, definitely. And his delivery is, yeah, his his delivery is very sinister, like, and, you know, very, very sneaky. And I was like, He's Ka from the, um, yeah. Jungle Book. Yeah. And, but like Crosshair, when he became that death trooper, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it's definitely going to – it's not what I thought was going to happen for sure. Yeah. Like I thought we were going to get this merry bunch of defective clones just going out there and doing all this badassery. I did not think we were going to get a four men and a baby no. situation, which, I'm, I mean, I'm absolutely here for. So what do you see going on in the future with this show? Or what do you want to see in the future? I I'll, mean, I'll give you mine, and then you tell me what you think. Okay. Because I think we might have the same. Um, what I think we're going to see and what we are seeing – uh, kind of play out is Hunter and Omega father-daughter dynamic. Yeah. And I know a lot of people hate it. A lot of people are like, it's too forced and they should have built Omega's character, but we can't spend that much time on that planet, on that ship. We can't. Like, we got to keep moving forward. These guys are are wanted. They're being spied on by Palpatine. Like, we can't waste time giving this little girl an origin story on a ship that goes in the, in the middle of the show. Like, we're going to build towards that. So I see that. The one thing that I would like to see, and I think you touched on it, I'd like to see them try to reconcile with the Jedi and help more with the Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Like, see the rest of the characters that we know are still out there. Canon. Ahsoka's still out there. We know Fennec's out there. I want to see them reconcile with these characters that we already know exist to be really cool fan service moments, but also start the fire of the rebellion and start the fire of the the rebels and the resurgence of the jedi and you know all this stuff i'd like to see that stuff and obi of course i'd like to see obi-wan what do you think also you know um i'll talk a little about the second episode is hunter i was talking to um cut and he was like and he mentioned rex and he was like where is he you know what i mean like Rex is still yeah. out there, so you know I think maybe they're going to team up with him. Um, because was it Rex, Wolf, Gregor, or yeah, all? They're all out there. They're all out there. So the last we saw them was on that kind of like Wild Wild West uh, scorpion that they were riding on. Yeah, but that was in Clone Wars. Was it Clone Wars or was that? Or was that Rebels? I think it was, it was Rebels. Rebels. I think it was Rebels. It was so Rebels. at the time, we don't know where they're at. Um, yeah, we don't. Do you think that this is going to impact the Mandalorian any, by anything? I think it could, especially because of Fennec. Um, yeah. Or maybe not Mandalorian, but Book of Boba Fett. Um, yeah, or Obi. Or, you know, one of these shows that kind of is set in this universe that we're getting. Yeah. Well, because, like, as we know, like I said, uh, Fennec Shan is yeah. in it. And, you know... She might be out of the Mandalorian now, but obviously she's a huge player in Bo- uh, Book of Boba Fett. So any contact with anyone that she has in this could potentially show up in Book of Boba Fett. Well, she's younger in this. Yes. That's the thing. She's like a kid in this. So we don't know how long 
that is like displaced from you know these characters being alive you know um, my my initial thought was like will these characters show up in the future in live action probably not i i don't see the bad batch surviving a lot no of like a, lo- a long series uh but i could see them you know getting like two or three seasons out of this and just kind of riding the wave um the character that i think is and you kind of talked about this in, through text with me the character i think is going to play a major part in this show and already is but could pay play a larger part in the future is omega yeah um because you know one that we haven't said is she's a clone and she is she's a clone she's a female clone of Django fett um yeah. which i never thought we would see you know the one thing that resonated with me was in the second episode when cut said the caminos didn't make her for no reason do you think and we kind of talked about this and I don't know, you know, we we didn't really go. I said, you know, she could possibly be, you know, a key to the force. Like maybe she's in touch with the force because she has that medallion on her head. I don't know. Like I've been really trying to like figure out who, what, not who, but what is her purpose. And I don't know. Like, well, unless unless you're in on it with uh, with Dave Filoni and everybody, <laughs> you're never going to know until we watch it. Yeah. So let's move on. Five out of five for us, right? Yeah. All right. Let's go to this state of Star Wars. And this is going to be fun because I know how pumped you are. We have two Star Wars properties currently on shows, airs, anything, networks. And that's The Mandalorian and The Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. I believe that those two are top notch. Yes. Right now, what do you think about those two properties in general being the flag bearers of the Star Wars universe? I think it's amazing. I think uh, they're excelling at the TV game right now. And honestly, I think a big part of it is Dave Filoni. Yeah. And Favreau. And and Favreau. No, definitely. Favreau is the mastermind behind it, but Filoni is – he is the creative force. So would he be the salacious B. Crumb to John Favreau's Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> or would he more be like more like a big Fortuna. The, or would he be the Darth Vader to – John Favreau's Emperor Palpatine. I, I say more the latter. Okay. I'm here for a cosplay of Hut and Crumb. I'm also here for a one-off series about Hut and Crumb. Oh, that would be awesome. But but you're confident with these two? No, 100%. Yeah, I think, I think these are a good start to an expanding TV universe. Yes. And you kind of, I think I know where you're going with this, and I, I may be wrong, but... We're going into the announced properties, and I made a list of, like, the TV shows, right? So we got Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, Andor, Rangers of the New Republic, Lando Calrissian, the Acolyte, Vision, and uh, Visions, and the Droids, right? Mm -hmm. The last two, a lot of people aren't really chalking up to being anything special other than just special series. Then you have the movies. You have Rogue Squadron. You got a bunch of trilogies that are being pushed out there there's a rumor of the high republic there's a rumor of the knights of the old republic i think you and i are on the same page that right now star wars is crushing tv and streaming on the two shows that they have yes and they're going to continue doing that the movies to me and i'm wondering if you feel the same way i'm kind of up in the air because i don't think the last three were the best representation of star wars no and i i feel the only thing the glue that is holding Star Wars together right now is the Mandalorian and now Bad Batch, even though it's only in, you know, 
the infant stage of shows because it's only been out two episodes. It, like I said, this is kind of like Clone Wars 2.0. They're definitely the glue that's holding Star Wars together. If they weren't there, would you have been worried? Yeah. About uh, the franchise moving Oh, no, forward? no, no, no. Yeah, my views would definitely uh, be different right now. Um, so of the series, which one are you kind of most excited for besides Book of Boba Fett? Because I know that's it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard because, okay, if I had to pick one that I'm familiar with, would probably be Obi-Wan. Okay, somewhere Billy D. Williams is crying that you didn't pick Lando. Well, no. See, somewhere he is pouting. He's because like, my boy Chuck didn't pick me. I know, and I'm really excited about that, but I want to see more what's going to happen with it. The one I'm most intrigued about is the Acolyte. Yeah, me too. That one, one, the name is amazing, but two, the potential. That has the most potential because we don't know what character it's centered around. We don't know what universe or what era it's set in, and I think that that's fantastic. The others kind of play hand-in-hand with each other. Ahsoka, Book of Boba, they all are in the same timeline. Obi, a Right around the same timeline, I would think, maybe a little before. And Lando, we're thinking later, well, we're also thinking a little bit later than the Clone Wars with, if, if it's Donald Clover. The mm-hmm. Acolyte is one of the ones that I'm like, give me more of this. Like, I need to know what's going to happen. I want to hear more news about it. But right now, what we're dealing with is we're dealing with Andor that's shooting in London. Mm-hmm. We have Obi-Wan that's shooting currently in America. And um, there's a rumor, I don't know if you saw this. That Obi-Wan could reintroduce the Inquisitors. That would be amazing. Uh, right? And you, you and I have been talking about this from day one when the Inquisitors debuted in the uh, Rebels or Clone Wars. And we saw it and we're like, we need more of these. And then Mandalorian, they were characters that I wanted. And then obviously with Ahsoka, we said that they could pop up. So I think that that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think the one that has the biggest potential is Ahsoka. Yeah. I think just from the dynamic, that's what we need with a female lead in Star Wars, which has been struggling for so long to really establish the right female aside from Princess Leia. You know, Rey is uh, kind of a polarizing character. And uh, we had Felicity Jones as Jin Erso, who was, you know, a one-hit wonder. <laughs> and besides that, you know, the only other one, only other woman that we have in the universe that got any credit was Rose Tycho. And Cara Dune, who's no longer part of the series. So having having Ahsoka be the lead, and obviously, you know, Ahsoka's a top 10 Star Wars character in, in the history, it's perfect. It's a perfect time for it. Yeah, uh, get a little off topic, and I'm not trying to get, you know, too in-depth. Are we back of... to He-Man? No, 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 no. So it, it is Star Wars. So they fired... Cara Dune. I don't care why they fired her. You know, I'm staying away from that. But are you going to talk about their pushing her for? Yeah, like, yeah. like we fired you, but guess what? We want you to win an Emmy. I'm like, what? Uh, that- well, <laughs> the way I look at it, and I, it's weird. I saw it today that that popped up, but it shows that Disney isn't as petty as we thought they were. Yeah, just saying, like, listen, you went out there and you worked hard, and we want to reward you for it. Maybe you didn't pan out with us because you know your twitter fingers are sloppy but you know we're going to give you the recognition you deserve i don't think she's gonna win no um i don't honestly don't think that gina carano put through a award-winning uh character number one i don't think 
Was she that good? Her character. Yeah, I liked her. But was she award-winning good? No. No. No, like that's like is she going to win against like um Sarah Paulson's Ratchet or like, you know, Glenn Close and Meryl Streep did a miniseries? No, for sure, but I think Star Wars just needed to Again, this is what we go back to. It's not even off topic. They don't have enough women represented no. in the universe, so the only woman that they can nominate for an award is the one they just fired. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It's it's crazy. It's super crazy. Let's go to the movie, and we'll just go with the movie, Rogue Squadron. Are you worried about this movie? Not really. I mean, okay. Okay, Patty Jenkins is doing it, yes. Was her last movie great? No. No. <laughs> but has she made good stuff before? Yeah. You can't base, you know, just because her last movie, which, you know, Wonder Woman 84, wasn't fantastic. Was it the worst thing I ever seen? No. I'm glad I watched it, but I'm not. Dude, that had such high expectations. Oh no, it did. And it, it was it was bad. And this is gonna you know, you you thought we'd get away from it. I thought Godzilla vs. Kong was a little bit better than that. And that's saying a lot from you, because I <laughs> I know how much you bashed and hated that movie. Listen, when it comes to Patty Jenkins, she has a short resume. She does. Two of the things that she two of the three movies that she's made, good. Wonder Woman and Monster. Yeah. I enjoyed both of them. Uh, Monster, a great telling of um, Eileen Warnos. I don't know if I, – I feel like she has the same thing that Zack Snyder has, the same problems with studios where she gives a great story, gives a great – shoots a great movie, and then studio gets in its way. And that could be 100% about Warner Brothers. And I'm kind of excited for her to take this next step. And obviously excited to see Gal Gadot in the, um, <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. But I feel like she's coming into an already kind of set sandbox. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's very much like Marvel. When you get hired as the director for Marvel and you're not James Gunn, Taika Waititi or the Russos, you're getting hired as a director for hire. You know, you're going to get your input, but there are going to be a lot of writers that are writing that movie, and you're going to be able to shoot it and add stuff and omit stuff, but you're not going to be able to write the movie for yourself. It's the same thing with Star Wars, right? You're coming in there, you're getting a team of writers, you're directing it, but when it comes down to it, Kathleen Kennedy has and all be all power. Yeah. So, is it great? Yes. Rogue Squadron kind of just sounds like it's going to be Fast and the Furious in space. Well, what I'm excited about is that she does have passion for it because her dad was a fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see a fighter pilot movie, but with Star Wars. So I hope so. I hope I, so. The, because I don't know if you saw that when they first announced it, it was like a little like trailer of herself like, in an airfield and talking about how her dad was a fighter pilot and how, you know, she always dreamed about flying and yeah, all this and how she, lo- how she loved Star Wars. And this is just a, a combination of that. To me, I was I was intrigued by that because I was like, okay, like, not only we're going to get the pilot, I think we're going to get a, a a fighter movie, like a, you know, an awesome pilot yeah, like red, movie. Like Red Tails. Yeah, something like that. Like, I think, like, it has potential and... If she has the passion for it, I think it could be really good. 
You know, I I think she makes good movies. Um, like I said, the two that I liked are two of her two of her three movies, and she did really good on the shows that she did too, like The Killing and um, Rest of Development. But when it comes to this getting in a set universe, I am happy that she got it. I'm looking forward to her movie. I just feel like again we're gonna hear that like I didn't get to put out my movie, and maybe it's gonna be different, and maybe that passion overtakes the studio, and they're like, wow, you really put an amazing movie out there, but. If Vin Diesel's in it, I'm out. Because then he's going to be like, this is my family. Well, this is my, fa- my familia. John Cena is my brother. I mean, you don't hear a lot of people from Disney going, this isn't the movie I wanted. Disney pushed it. You know what I mean? You don't hear a lot of that, like, you know, the Warner Brothers talk. Like, oh, this wasn't my vision. They made me do this. You don't hear a lot. It's because they're getting the right people. Mm-hmm. What we don't hear or what we neglect to remember is directors like Alan Taylor who won't work for Disney anymore because they won't give him the movie that he wanted. Edgar Wright, who is a writer-director who wanted to write Ant-Man and they already wrote a script for him and he could just contribute to it. You hear about these guys and gals and Kenneth Branagh, like all the directors that didn't get the second movie or the third movie and they're like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore because, again, like I don't want to be a director for hire. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because, you know, Peyton Reed's crushing it with what he's doing. The Russos were a director for hire for a while, and they went on to make some of the biggest movies ever. I like – I'm never going to go against Marvel and say, like, what they're doing is wrong because I think the way that they're making movies as a fan is great. I just feel like they have to find the right person – and if they don't find the right person, you're going to hear these stories. But they're not as loud as Marvel or as uh, Warner Brothers because the Warner Brothers movies are trash. Yeah. And the Disney movies that these directors didn't get, like Scott Derrickson, right? He he most recently left. He's one of the, the last to leave because it different directions. What's going to come out of that is a better movie. Yeah. Because they're hiring somebody that's going to play by the rules but is also going to add their creative touches but doesn't have 100% control of it, you know, because obviously Kevin Feige is the end-all, be-all. We hear him, but we just don't, as fans of Marvel and this billion-dollar conglomerate, we don't really pay attention to it because the movies, they're like, oh, yeah, you made the right choice. But Warner Brothers is like, oh, give me the air cut. Give me the Snyder cut. I need the Jenkins cut, you know. Give me the, you know, Burton cut. We all know that the cuts are out there. We've never heard anybody say, I want the the Russo cut of Endgame because we got it. So I don't know. I don't know. That's just me. That's my soapbox. Uh, Let's go to the movies and series. What is one movie or series that you'd like to see in the Star Wars universe? We do this, I think, every year. Yeah. And I remember a while ago, we talked about like the underbelly of Star Wars, like Black Oh, yeah. My idea. And we kind of, in The Mandalorian, it's kind of like that. Like, are we getting exactly what we know? But we do see the underline of the bounty hunters and how, uh, you know, the guild and stuff like that. Yeah. So I strayed away from that. Um, Good. Because Let we me keep my idea. Because I love the idea. I really do. But I think I think my idea is the book of Boba Fett. I think that's exactly what yeah. we're going to get. But I digress. Um. So I this was kind of tough for me because we're getting so much that like. I would be like, oh, I would love an Obi-Wan continuation. Oh, we're getting it. You know, I would love a 
new rebel. Okay, we're getting it. I would love a story set in the high the days, um, the final days of the High Republic. We're getting it with the Acolyte. So we're getting a lot of stuff. So one thing that I, I, I came up with, um, is something from the, the newer Star Wars that a lot of people, you know, have bad taste in their mouth, but some. Something that was really cool that they didn't really touch on. I'd really like to see the Knights of Ren. Okay, so you took the long way home. You took the long way home for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, the Knights of Ren, we, like we talked about with the comic that I suggested to yeah. you with uh, the rise of Kylo Ren. And I read it, I don't and think, it's amazing. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to get it because no. they already said we're moving away from the, the Skywalker tra- uh, saga. But that would be great. That would be kind of metal. It would be set around. You, know, you could have Kylo in it. And see the rise and then the deception of Kylo, like, you know, the betrayal caused by Kylo Ren. That would be great. The the rise of Snoke. That, you know, all that stuff is there. I'm going to stick with the one that I've said in a, for a very long time. I want Revan and Malak. That's all I want. You give me a movie about those two guys and we are good to go. And the state of Star Wars is perfect. Would you want a movie or a series? I would want a movie, for sure. I want a trilogy for those guys just because of how badass they are and mm. the you know you can't get one story for like you can't get the the revan story no. in mm. one movie no no there's there's gray there's black there's white there's jedi there's sith there's in between you know mara jade series would be dope you know it's one of those things that we've been begging for and now that timothy zahn's kind of coming off of his uh tough it and saying yeah we'll use thrawn in at least his name in the star wars universe maybe we get mara jade somewhere somehow before but you know there's there's a bunch of stuff out there that we could ask for and i'm surprised you didn't go with this do you think eventually in may let's say five years do you think from now to five years we get an announcement of a high republic series based off this comic that we're reading currently i think it would be awesome or movie um i mean the Acolyte is going to be the final days of the High Republic. So Yeah, I'm talking like the beginning of the High Republic, like we're reading. So that would be really cool. Um, it, I mean, because what do they have? Two comic series. They have what, IDW, they have a Marvel, and then they yeah. have novels, right? So Yeah, they have, a, they have a bunch of stuff. It's a huge rollout for this series. But but yes or no, do you want this? Yeah, uh, is yeah. the question. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Again, taking the long way home, my friend. Let's just do the shortcuts. So I think that that's going to happen. We've already know that they're kind of toying around with the idea of doing a animated High Republic. I think we were, we talked about it on Instagram a while ago. But let's go to the last thing. I think I know the answer. <laughs> Do you feel comfortable with the people making the final decisions in the Star Wars universe? No. No. And, yeah. you know, the people, you mean Kathleen Kennedy... Yeah, I mean, I broke, I kind of broke it down, and it's kind of unfair to you, but I broke it down in like TV movies. Like, I, when it comes down to Favreau and Filoni, I'm confident in that. No, 100%. But I, given but the... I also don't think that they're making the final decisions. No. I think it, it does go down to double K. You know, she is the president of Lucasfilm, and she has been since 2012. Her contract actually expires October 31st of this year. I think it's time to pass the torch. Since she's been in charge of Lucasfilm, what has she done? She put out Indiana Jones 4. Not that great. Yeah. The three 
Star um four I'm sorry, five Star Wars movies. So the the two prequels obviously and then Yeah, and and two the, two yeah. were good? Yeah. Two um, were great. No, one was great with yes. Rogue One. Yes. And then like Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker were okay. Okay. Jedi and Solo were not. Yeah. So Yeah. I'm with you. You know, and the Mandalorian, I I don't think like yes, I think she has a final say, but I don't think it's really her. I think it's more Favreau and Filoni. So in my opinion, I give the freaking Favreau. Yeah, I mean I'm with you. And we kind of talked Filoni. about this. Yeah, I mean, they can operate as a duo because yeah. they have been operating as a duo. And you you could even break it down. Like, I understand the need for Kathleen Kennedy. Like, she's somebody that George Lucas trusts. Mm-hmm. She's always been somebody that uh, yes. GL trusts. Maybe bump her up to something of handling George uh, Lucasfilm in another facet. You know, IP, the marketing, you know, um, coming up with stories, not making the stories. And then you could bring Favreau in and Favreau could be the head of movies and Filoni could be the head of television or streaming. And, you know, Kathleen Kennedy has been doing this for – she's been working in film forever. And it's not – yeah, and like, listen, I don't hate Kathleen Kennedy. I don't think that she's a bad person. Uh, I just think it's time for change, like like you said. And times are changing in terms of, you know, animation and movie styles and cinematography. And you have to be on the receiving end of that. You have to be on the, the forefront of that. And I think Favreau is on the forefront of that. The way we saw that The Mandalorian was shot. And that's kind of ushered in more movies and TVs during COVID to be able to try and replicate that. So Favreau's an innovative storyteller. Filoni is a geek to Star Wars. He is the active geek of the Star Wars universe. I'm sorry, Chuck. He just beats you out. You could be Filoni Jr. I mean, Filoni, I mean, obviously is, in, my, in a lot of opinions, George Lucas 2.0. Yeah, but you know what? I think he tells the stories better. He does. I didn't want to say it. He does. Um, no, listen, George isn't listening. He's he, no, he'll be okay he'll with us listen. saying this. Filoni is a genius. He gets Star Wars, and I, I, watching the Mandalorian season one was great, and then watching the Clone Wars was great. But really, what made me a huge fan of Filoni was the gallery season one, when yeah. he's sitting there talking, and you just see not only how smart he was. How much he loved it. And that resonates something with me because I love Star Wars. And to me, Filoni was just me, just more successful and, you know, amazing. But like, he loved Star Wars. And I was like, this guy gets it. Like, yeah. he knows the backstories of odd characters because one, he wrote them. And he just. He understands it, and he knows what the fan wants because it's what he wants. Yeah, and he, listen, he's been part of two very successful franchises and IPs, right, with Avatar The Last Airbender on Nickelodeon mm-hmm. where, you know, he was a storyboard artist in 2015. And he 
that's that revered like that is one of those like when people speak of like great anime they love that like that's up there with naruto uh naruto and dragon ball and bleach and all like the the mount rushmores of of anime americanized anime at least then he goes into star wars and he can he consistently and steadily carried star wars on its back from before disney would purchased it mm-hmm. when he was doing star wars on cartoon network and then it went over to Disney XD, and then it went over to Disney Plus. So he he carried the Star Wars flag when people had kind of given up on it. So he definitely deserves it, and I think he's getting his flowers, as they would say right now, because he's actually carrying the weight. The problem is I don't want to put anybody on a pedestal because we know how what culture we live in with, like, cancel culture, and I would be crushed if something came out about Dave Filoni. I would be absolutely crushed. I don't think that that's the case whatsoever and i would never say that you know i don't know anything about dave Foley, but i would love to see him in charge of more than just what he's in charge of yeah and collaborating on the the larger galaxy and maybe maybe it's a three-person team and you just have like a board and i you know i don't think that's ever going to work but if you get kathleen kennedy john favreau and dave filoni to collaborate i mean they could take over and and see this is what like I've I've seen interviews with Kathleen Kennedy. Does she know how to make movies? Yes. Does she know how you know her stuff? Yes. But I don't see her as a fan. Like she knows the industry. Yes. That's the thing. She's an industry. She's a great chairman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's no. a great yes. board member. Like she when you see like the Dark Knight when Bruce Wayne's going into the the boardroom or like Batman Begins when he goes into the boardroom, she's one of them. Yeah. Filoni, you need a fan. You need a Kevin Feige. And, and the difference between Kathleen Kennedy and Kevin Feige is Feige lets his fan flag fly, where Kathleen Kennedy is like, yes, I'm a big fan of Lucasfilm. Yeah. I like Indiana Jones, but I love movies. And I, There's a and, difference. And I think the bridge between that is, you know, you have Filoni, who is a fan and a master storyteller. You have Kennedy, who, yes, she knows the industry. Then you have Favreau that's in between that I think can do both. Like yeah. he's been in Hollywood so long. He's he's directed movies. He's produced movies. He's made some cult great movies in Elf and Zathora and Zathora. And then you know he launched Marvel MCU. With I love that you agreed with me on Zathora. That so, is trash. So, Ooh, so, he's awful. It's not. Ooh, he's awful. It was We're fun not to here. Watch. This is this is not the Zathora happy hour, my friend. Okay. But I, long story short, I agree with you 100%. I think that you are on board with, with my plan too. We're on the same plan. And honestly, listen, if they don't they they don't want John Favreau and Dave Filoni to to take over Star Wars, Jim Favreau and Chuck Filoni are right here. Yeah. Chucky The Active Geeks. As we'll a, do it for movie roles. I thought you were going to say Ryan Johnson. No, no, God, no, no. He's dead to me. But except for Knives Out. Just make stick to movies with Daniel Craig. But no, Jim Favreau and Chuck Filoni were right here. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, change my name. I'll wear a cowboy hat every day. How about we switch? I want to – you can be John Favreau's style. I want to be Dave Filoni's style. You just want to wear just like Star Wars shirts t- and cowboy hats. Well, well, he also wears just like straight up dicky suits. <laughs> like just he is he's a man about the people. If if you looked one way, he is if you squint it, he looks like Coyote Peterson, the wildlife guy. 
<laughs> so listen, it is what it is. Dave Filoni, Pennsylvania guy. We're right a hop, skip, and a jump away from Pennsylvania, so he's one of us, an active geek, honorary active geek <laughs> member, John Favreau as well. But the state of Star Wars overall, if the scale's tipping, are you in optimism world or pessimism village? As of right now, because majority of their stuff is going to TV and streaming, I'm going to say I'm optimistic because I agree. Prove it, Mandalorian. You know, we're not a one-hit wonder anymore. Like we've got season two, and it's some of the best television that I've seen in a long time. So you have shows that are being made by the same people. Okay, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi is being showrunned by Deborah Chow, who did a couple episodes of The Mandalorian and was great. And, one of my favorite new produce, uh directors. One of my favorite new directors. Yeah, and she had like, you know. If she has any questions, Dave Filoni and John Favreau probably, you know, a hop, jump, and a skip away. So, you know what I mean? Like, they maybe bred her to be like, okay, this is Star Wars, and this is, you know, everything that we love. I'm confident in Deborah Chow. And so, the TV scale, like, the scales are tipping positive for me. Um, Yeah, same here, man. And I'm not confident in your word of breeding. That those two guys bred Deborah Chow to be Star Wars, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know what I meant. I didn't mean. I, it like I that. do. I do. I, I will say uh, for our Star Wars fans who are like, eh, maybe this isn't what I want. I like the voice actor for um, Anakin Skywalker. We'll go watch Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, he, he's in it, and we're going to talk about it next week. Mm-hmm. That's our next episode. We're going to dive into the Miller World and Netflix, and we are going to talk about Jupiter's Legacy. But that's it, man. The state of Star Wars wrapped up in a bow. Um, I don't even think I answered a question. I'm in Optimisticville. Yeah. That's where I'm at, just because of all the all the stuff that we talked about. I think the state of Star Wars is good. They just need to start churning out these uh, TV shows. And I know COVID kind of put the kibosh on a lot of things, and I'm glad we're starting to get to normal. But that's it. Follow us on social media. Listen to the podcast whenever you can. Refer the podcast to your fellow geeks. Listen to Galaxy Wars. Follow Chuck on social media. But we'll be back next week, like I said, with a full breakdown of Jupiter's Legacy, all eight episodes of Volume 1. And we say volume because Mark Miller is different. He didn't want to be called episodes, so they're Volume 1s. Or he didn't want to be called seasons, they're called volumes. So we're all eight episodes of Volume 1 on Netflix right now. It's a fun little watch. Give it a shot. And uh, yeah, for the Active Geek Podcast, I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.